Amen. We uh, are grateful for our, our amazing team of worship leaders. They were not just singing, because when you sing, like you could, you could sing like, you know, nursery rhymes. You could sing stuff. They were declaring truth over melody. They were singing out and allowing their praise to be unto God. And so worship team, we thank you all for leading us in that way. And what? Huh? Yeah, oh, okay. Yes. Amen. 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 Let us pray together. Father, we are overwhelmed by your grace, and uh, it was on full display as the team sang out. On full display as Tasha and Kyle read your word, and now, Lord, let it be on full display as we listen to your word being preached. If I say nothing else but just read your scripture ten times, that would be enough. Because the word is sufficient. Father, remove me that people may be able to understand who you are just a little bit more clearly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a good week. I, um, I get a chance to like reflect throughout the summer different times that the Lord has allowed me to kind of be just a glimpse into the lives of people. A glimpse into the lives of people in our church body. This week we had a, uh, a couple about, what we say, Johnny? About five years ago this week, you were celebrating a little, little bit differently, you know what I'm saying, Jenny? They, they got married about, about it was, has it five, five years now? It's five years, you know? Like, like, like the Lord has allowed me to be present in and some of those amazing experiences where there was just like joy overwhelming. Sometimes when people have been able to uh, have children or adopt or, or get new jobs or get great news, the Lord has allowed me to be present during that and experience a bit of joy. But there's also the other side of experiences. You see, the, the beauty of the Bible is that the Bible is extremely real. The Bible is extremely clear that not every experience is going to be happy-go-lucky. There's going to be some days where there's some challenge, and the Lord has blessed me to be able to be present at bedsides, to be able to see loved ones care for their parents, care for their children as their health is fading, to be able to be there when People have lost, whether it's been a lawnmower stolen out of the garage or a job that they thought they would retire in. The Lord has allowed me to be there too. And Paul has a word for us. He has a word in this chapter four that says, even in the midst of those situations, there can be joy. There can be a sense of joy. There can be this action that is not just a filly Thing, but it actually is something that contains us and calms us and allows us to feel like even in the midst of craziness, I know my God is with me. And so this chapter, chapter four, just a few quick verses, verses 10 through 13. Our brother Paul helps us understand joy in the midst of challenge. Verse 10 says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, 
but you had no opportunity. I rejoiced. That, that word again, that, that word that Paul keeps saying, he keeps keeping it before us. It, it's, it's something that haunts us with hope. It continues to be contagious. Paul just won't let it stop. It's like when, when, when I go in the kitchen and my wife is cooking and, and she almost done, but I can't wait. I just keep grabbing at the food. I can't, I can't stay away from the good cooking. Paul is saying this term joy is just dripping off his lips as he keeps trying to encourage the church. It's more than just a feeling of happiness, as I said. He, he, he wants us to see that joy is not conditional upon people. That God may use people, God may use things, God may use stuff, but actually, if you look at that verse, what does he say he rejoiced in? He rejoiced in the in Lord. That it is the Lord that is the one that brings joy, that allows us to have joy, that gives us the ability to rejoice, and then the Lord will use people. He uses this church, he uses these people that, that get a, a wind of this brother going through something crazy. Let me set the, back, the background for you. Paul is in jail. And just like today, if you see somebody getting hauled off, you don't usually say, oh man, I'm sure they're innocent. Maybe we should do that more often. But unfortunately, if you see somebody getting hauled off, you'd be like, uh-oh, what'd he do? He wrong. We're going to find out how bad it is. In Paul's instance, that was the case. You would get taken off. They took you into a, a, a giant room like this gymnasium that, that had a hole cut out in the center because it used to be a place where the plumbing was set underneath the building. And now this giant cistern that used to hold water now holds men. And so when you come to jail, you walk into a building and they let you down into a hole and you just sit there and you just wait and you wait and you wait. And this church hears of Paul's situation. They hear he's been locked up and they want to do something about it. They want to respond quick. They want to help, but some time passes, and we're not exactly sure what made the time pass, but one of the things that happens is it says that, that, that they were revived. Revived is this image of a, of a tree. Imagine a, a plant that you have out at your home, planted in the front, and every spring comes those beautiful flower buds. You see, this church was planted to support him, and they are excited to celebrate him, but some time had passed. And Paul says, oh, just like a rose coming into bloom, your excitement about helping me has come full bloom. It's revived. But the reason why they may have taken so long was because the journey was no joke. Now, now, now when you was young, and your mom or dad would send you to the store, and they would give you some money, what would they tell you to do with the money when you go to the store? Tuck, tuck it in your pocket, bring me my change back. Don't, 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 don't go down the street, I got $20, my mama told me to go get some, 
No, you, you, you put it away. Why? Because, because the journey for a young person holds. Now, money could get kind of crazy. Well, the journey for this brother, Epaphroditus, to come and try to care for Paul was dangerous. We're talking about you riding with thieves. We're talking about you're around people that want to take advantage of you. You are on a ship. You are traveling far. And so this church wanted to send someone, but they were waiting for the right person, someone strong enough, someone that had the ability to actually get the money to Paul. And now the opportunity has surfaced. And so Paul is grateful for them. He's grateful for what God is doing through them. He's joyful. Continue with me in verse 11. It says, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. To be content. It's interesting. There's two words in here that, that kind of lose some of the the impact when we are listening in our English understanding. There's two Greek words that help you understand it. One is learning, gaining knowledge. The other is finding mystical secrets. You see, during this age, the the spiritual mystics would search and try to have all types of interesting experiences so that they could say they had achieved and attained godliness that they had connected with God. They would do all types of smoking of things and burning of things and all these different types of physical experiences to try to say we've experienced God. But Paul says, no, 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 no. You see, whatever situation I'm in, I've learned to be content. Why? Because he's, he's gained a knowledge himself that came from the one and living God And it was based on experience, based on what he's gone through, based on going through some stuff. And and we were having an elders meeting yesterday, and and they gave a great encouragement of making sure that we, we value those that are of the wisest of years within our church body. That we make sure that we, we don't discount the power that experience can have and how God uses experience to help us grow in wisdom. Experience doesn't trump all, but we should not be discounting years. I can say that now because I'm going to mow grays and came up in here and I'm, 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 I'm starting to connect. But I, but I, but I, I saw this play out quite, quite clearly with a guy that I knew. When we were uh, planning to start this church, we went around to different people and we would say, hey, would you be willing to help us financially? We're going to start a church. We're going to be in uh, beautiful Detroit and, and we won't be able to just start out the gate uh, with a salary. Would you help us get started? So there was a guy he had a company, it was called a restoration company, and they would go and do work in, in uh, New Hampshire, it was where his business was located. They would go and do work, and they would restore your home if you had a flood. They restore your home if you had uh, um, fire damage. They would just come in and do everything. So some years, this man would make like upwards of half a million dollars. 
but his business was built on your peril. And so while some years he had firsthand experience of being on the high side, there were other years where there was nothing. Nothing. He said, Leon, I want to help you guys because I've learned that God is the one that has allowed me to remain content in all things. Me and my family have had peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, and we've flown on jets. And God was the one who kept us through it all. And so Paul is helping us get a sense, get an understanding of experience matters, that he's learned, he's been through some stuff, and he's seen God right with him there. Continue where he actually gives you examples of those highs and those lows of that roller coaster ride of Christianity where sometimes you get the call and you smiling and laughing and other times you get the call and you crying and weeping. Look in verse 12. I know how to be brought low. And I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need question, family, is, is, is not will you go through these ups and downs. It's not is it going to come. It's not how do we have a life where we experience nothing but just a smooth, easy plane. That's not the question. The question is who will you hold on to when you're at a low and who will you hold on to when you're at a high? Who do you cling to when everything is going well? And who do you cling to when you're being challenged and the very foundation that you're standing on is being rocked? Paul is saying, it is this God, it is this Jesus, it is this Jesus that, that, that if the joy is real and if it is true when you are at your highest moment, then that joy remains to be true and real when you are at your low. For this God does not leave us. He is with us. But the reality is I struggle. The reality is that I have difficulty. Reality is being content is something that is sometimes feels so far away. It feels like, 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 like I want to pray real hard. I want to seek the Lord real hard in the valley lows. But then when I'm doing well, it's kind of like I'm on vacation. Didn't I pray a whole lot back there? Don't, can some of that get me to, the, to, the, to, to when I'm doing good? Didn't I build up a bank account of prayers back in this low point? But see, God is saying, no, no, no. That's not how this thing works. If you, if you truly are holding on to me, then you can say, this God is good. Even in the midst of being in a jail, in a cistern, this God is good. Even in the midst of hungering and, and not having food, this God is good. Even in the midst of longing and longing and I'm waiting and I can't wait no longer, God, show up. This God is good. And Paul tries to make that, that really clear. He makes it clear because... Jesus makes it clear. This lady named uh, Angie Nelson said these words really quick, really clearly. She said, Jesus did not ask us to do anything that he didn't do to even a greater extent. 
Hebrews says that it pleased God to make the captain of our salvation perfect through sufferings. He went before us as our captain to show us the way through this life and into his arms. He walked the lonely road ahead of us and experienced firsthand the highs and lows of ministry. He had times when great crowds followed him and listened to his teaching. A week just before Jesus' crucifixion, prophecy was fulfilled as Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the foal of a donkey and the multitude cried out, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. But very shortly after, the same crowd was crying out, crucify him, crucify him. And they did. Yet death could not keep him, and he rose from the grave, never to be defeated. If you want an example of the highest of highs, have somebody throw a parade for you. You want to you feel like you're the man, feel like you're the woman, feel like you're doing things. Allow the whole city to come out and celebrate your name. If you want to feel the weight of evil, if you want to feel what it's like to be the target of hate, let that same mass now shout out, crucify him. You see, our Jesus, our Lord, has gone before us. Never did he question, was God with him? Never did he question if if God was the one that would sustain him, and so let us not. Let us follow the model. Let us recognize when we are tempted not to be content because of stuff, because of things, because of external circumstances, when Christ is trying to say, I am with you. Look at me in the last verse. Verse 13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. This is a a verse that I, that I love, and also in my early years, I totally took it out of context, and I abused this thing. Abused this thing. Oh, I want that shirt. Man, it ain't on sale. Uh-uh. He does all things. Let me, you're going to have to put it on sale for me. I want the shirt. <laughs> Talking about this car ain't on sale. You better discount this car. Don't you know I can do all things? He's going to strengthen me to get the discount. You know, like, like, like you, you, start, you start to define your own world, and then you make the Scripture agree with you. But see, if, if, we, if we knew that the context in this Scripture was one of Paul in jail, and he has not eaten, he is literally hungry. And what he is saying is, Because I'm in the will of God, because I preached the gospel and I was jailed for the gospel, I know I'm walking in the purpose God has for me. And because of that, I'm in the right space, even though I'm hungering. So I can endure the pain of not eating. Because when I'm doing what God calls me to do, he gives me a strength that is beyond what I can understand. He is with me and caring for me and giving me a power that is unexplainable, even though everything in me is saying hunger. You ever been there where you 
where you longed for something, you wanted something, and you, you, you wanted it now. I, I, that experience thing really comes true when I was young, and, and like my kids, one of them now chilling, on the, chilling on, the, on, the, on the seat. When I was young, I was sleeping on the, on the seats, and I would always hear the older people say, he may not come when you want him, but he'll be there on time. You see, I, I, didn't, I didn't understand that concept because as a kid, all I, all I thought about was popsicles and suckers. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, what's the highs and lows as a kid? But as you begin to, like, grow and go through some challenges and be stretched beyond what you can understand, you start seeing, man, Lord, I wanted you to show up, and you didn't show up. And I said be there at 352, and it was 352, God, and you didn't show up on time, and then God comes through. Three weeks later, two months later, but it still is more than you could have ever imagined on time, beyond what you could have ever imagined. And from 352 to month seven, you realize he strengthened me to get through that. When I thought if he didn't come at this moment, I wouldn't be able to last, somehow he got me through. See, I can do all things through this God who strengthens me, not because I get to determine how I'm going to send God to answer. No, I get to walk in the purpose and walk aligned with his will. And when I do that, no matter what hardship may come, I know it is him that's strengthening me. And so in that, my body may say, hunger then I can identify with Christ who said, no, nah, we're giving up food for 40 days to go deeper. In that, my body might say, get, get the relief you need, but no, then we can identify with martyrs who said, no, nah, we will not deny Jesus' name. Do what you will to our bodies because we have an eternal glory that we will experience. Family, don't let stuff, the highs of stuff get you to, to, to reroute your whole life or the lows of stuff get you to, to change your whole life to follow it. Allow yourself to be strengthened by the one that provides content, who allows us to be content, but also provides strength for us in the midst of the ups and downs that life provides. If you're a person today and you are are wondering, how can I jump on that type of experience? You talked about experience, Pastor. How can I have the type of experience where, where I have strength in the midst of challenges? We will tell you it's not in and of ourselves. We as Christians are not wise enough. We're not smart enough. We're not cool enough. The strength we get comes from God, and that started when we accepted the reality that we are sinners, that we are people that are, that are not perfect. Each day we fall short before what God expects of us and what we try to do or in ways that we reject him. But Jesus loved us so much that in spite of our rejection of him, in spite of the ways that we fall short, he says, don't worry. You can't make up the difference, but I will. And I'm going to give of my life so that you might experience God anew, that you might experience God to the fullest. And so we submit 
to Jesus who gave all for us. And we offer you, if you are present and want to accept Christ, we offer you that opportunity. The opportunity to allow God to lead your life and to give you an opportunity to experience life anew. We are taken from death to life. Don't be walking dead. Don't continue to allow stuff and things and the worries of this world to overwhelm you and to grip you and to steal your attention away. Don't you let the world win. Let Jesus be the one that leads your life. And if that's what you would like to do today, we invite you to simply pray this prayer with me. Jesus, you are Lord. I know that I have sinned. Please forgive me for my sins. I want to submit to your ways and allow the Holy Spirit to empower me so I can do so. Allow me to grow in you with your church. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you've prayed that prayer today, we say welcome to the family of God. Welcome to the family of God. Uh, and if you uh, want to rededicate your life, we still would love for you to connect with us as a church family. We are going to continue in worship.